Hello, and welcome to the Source One Countdown to ISM 2016 podcast series. Consider us your on-the-go source for the latest insights in the procurement, supply management, and strategic sourcing industry as we get ready for the premier supply chain event of the year. In this installment of the Countdown to ISM 2016, we continue our spotlight on the conference's People Track. Scott Ottenheimer, Vice President at QBE North America, joins us to discuss his special presentation, the Leadership Fast Track, which aims to help conference attendees understand what breeds success for both employees and their managers in procurement and supply management. Scott, welcome to the ISM 2016 podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Ken. So I want to talk about the session that you're leading at ISM. So we've been talking to uh, Nassim Malik and Howard Levy, who are the co-chairs of the People Track, and they talked about their vision about the track being about advancing human capital strategies and really focusing folks on advancing their professional careers. So your session is entitled The Leadership Fast Track. So what's the session all about? Yeah, so the session is about taking a look at how folks have moved up throughout the organization and what strategies they've done to to grow their careers. And, you know, I think what we're going to focus on, or at least what I'm focusing on, is is mostly innovation. Innovation within procurement, innovation within your industry, uh, the passion that you need for procurement in order to, to further your career. So it, it's going to be about a whole mix of, of things ranging from innovation to, to data, to analysis, to, uh, to, to passion. So you mentioned innovation, and I think that gets an occasional sort of buzzwordy rap that it's just we're looking for innovation. And, you know, obviously with our sort of consumer-minded focus, we're always looking for the next big thing. But what does innovation mean to you? Well, you know, it's interesting I started my career as a consultant, and a lot of what we did was we looked for opportunities to cut costs quickly, and we did. You know, we looked for the, quote, low-hanging fruit, if you will. When I left the consulting world and I went in-house into the insurance industry, I realized, you know, the low-hanging fruit was good for the first year, but after that, we could either continue to renegotiate existing contracts, or we could find new opportunities. So uh, what I decided to do was, I knew nothing about the insurance industry when I started. So what I decided to do was, instead of taking a procurement lens, started looking at uh, the lens from our business partners, from the, from the insurance professionals who I had, who I had worked with, uh, specifically within claims, and realized that old price, new price, the strategies that we've, that we've been used to, to implementing weren't necessarily applicable. There's a claim, for example, when do you send out an adjuster? When do you not send out an adjuster? How do you optimize the work that you're doing? So the best example I could think of is we had when I first started about 200 independent adjusters and I had thought, okay, well, let's consolidate. Let's get economies of scale and let's cut costs. But what I soon realized was that doing it that way wasn't necessarily the right answer for this industry. The reason for that is a lot of times these independent adjusters, if you have a loss, they go to the claim based on how much money they make. Right? So they'll prioritize the claims based on how much they're getting paid. So when I talk about innovation, I talk about figuring out how quickly we can get an adjuster to a claim at the lowest possible price. So it's creating that optimal model. And, of course, the quicker an adjuster gets to a claim, in theory, the less expensive the claim is. So mm. 
an example is if if your if your basement floods, right, and it takes five days for the insurance company to get there, maybe they have to replace carpet, maybe they've got to pay for the drywall, maybe there's mold. But if we get there within 10 hours and we and we're able to place everything quicker, that's a whole other idea of cost savings. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the professional services; it's the total cost of ownership. It's looking through a different lens. So I think that's what I mean by innovation. Sure. So it sounds like for you personally, innovation isn't isn't just about doing something new or different for the sake of being new and different. It's about finding the best way practically to accomplish the goal. Correct. Correct. And of course, if you could use technology, if you could use data, if you can use, um, you know, if you can create optimal models, then yeah, that, that also, that certainly helps. So your session, is it geared toward young professionals specifically, or are there things that you'll be presenting that can appeal to uh, all stages of professional careers? I think it would be all stages of professional careers. So whether you're a young professional and you're looking to, to advance your career, or you've, or you've been in your specific industry for, for quite some time and you're still looking to advance your career, I think that, that there's truly an opportunity to, uh, to take something away from the session. And, and, and selfishly, I'm hoping that we can get into a discussion, not just me lecturing about things that, that I've done in my career, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to engage the folks and I'd like to hear from them because a lot of folks in, in the audience, I imagine, will have advanced their careers mm-hmm. and I think that they have some good knowledge to share as well. So if we can make it a discussion, uh, that would be ideal. And on top of that, I think that if, if you aren't a necessarily a professional looking to advance your career, maybe you have folks who work for you that are interested and again, I think this is an opportunity to help mentor others, hmm. to help folks who work for you to, to move up. So the hope is this could be a good partnership between, you know, the presenters and folks in the audience. You know, that's an interesting angle that the onus of being on the fast track isn't just on the the individual. They have to have a good support system. Now, not, that's not to diffuse the onus on that person to take ownership of their career, but you mentioned that some folks who are attending might be managers of, of other people, and they could glean something about how they can be a better manager so that they can be more clearly on that fast track. I think that's a great focus because it emphasizes sort of the idea of it takes a village to, to raise a child, right? But uh, in procurement, no man should be an island, right? Exactly. So regarding this idea exactly. of, a, of a fast track, what were the sort of key mile markers for you personally? You know that's that's interesting because up in, up until you asked this question, I I don't think I've ever really thought about it. It's always been just go 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 and focus on optimal solutions for either your clients or your business partners. So I think from a milestone standpoint, it has been entering the consulting world and then learning as much as I could about as many industries as possible, and then going to an insurance company where I knew nothing about insurance. But I knew about procurement and the original mindset of, well, if I could buy office supplies, I could buy anything. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think the aha moment was, if you really want to make a difference, you really need to understand the product, the service, the industry that you're in. And I think that was kind of what helped me progress my career you know, a little quicker than, than others. Now, I will, also, I will also say this, timing and luck. You know that that played that played a huge factor as well. Hmm. Uh, my uh, when I was at uh, when I was consulting, 
my one of my directors, he became the, the head of procurement at the insurance company that I'm at. He ended up bringing me over, so so that certainly helped. And then he actually left the organization. They brought in a new global head of procurement, and I was convinced that he was going to bring in his own people. But um, but luckily, my team and I were able to show him the work that we've done, uh, use data, the business cases that I learned how to do back in the consulting days. We, we applied to insurance, and he was he was impressed. Certainly, timing luck, right place at the right time, I think that plays, plays a huge factor. Well, when did you realize then that you were on the fast track? Maybe not until just recently when ISM asked you to present this session? I don't even think it was that. I think uh, probably this discussion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I, I think just, just asking the question. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the title of the session, the way I read it was Fast Track, how these professionals race to the top and plan on staying there. Well, you know, that, that means one thing, but, but what I was in my mind thinking about presenting was innovation and how anybody can take their career in their hands and, and move up with, with, like I said, innovation, timing and luck, hard work, you know, all, all the above. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was probably a couple minutes ago okay. <laughs> that, uh, that, that, that maybe was that aha moment. Then for your personal journey with going from consulting and, and as you said, hard work, innovation, do you think that in the near future that this idea of the fast track won't be the fast track anymore because it'll be the new norm, that that everyone should follow this kind of model because it, it breeds success? So I personally, uh, if I create an analysis, I like to present it. If I do the live work, I like to to take the credit for it, of course. And I realized that if I like that, the people who work for me will probably like that as well. And maybe a year ago, uh, we had a, a presentation to our to our chief claims officer on a uh, legal optimization strategy that one of my employees did. And I had said, hey, you did fantastic work. I want you presenting. I want you to take the credit. And she had said, no, I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't, I, I, I don't, like being in the spotlight, I like being behind the scenes. So it, it kind of depends on who you are and, and, and what your career goals are. Because you, there's, there's certainly different headaches when you, when you move up within an organization. There's different types of work to be, uh, to be done. So right. it's not necessarily for everybody. And believe me, there's, there's certain parts about um, my previous career that I miss. Rarely negotiating anymore. Most of, mostly my team is doing that. Uh, I'm doing a lot of management reports, employee reviews, employee training. So it's 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 completely different. So I, I think it really just depends on on what you want and and how you want your career to be. So I don't think there's a a one solution that fits all. I think that's that's a great perspective because I think there's a tendency at industry conferences that uh, presentations are focused on this is what you must do, this is the goal you should be striving for. Um, but it sounds like you're going to be presenting more of a balanced view to say this is this is what you can expect, that as you advance, you may not be doing the things that you previously did before, and you may miss them. So you should understand before you go down this path, you know, really consider is that the direction in, in which you want to go. And to add to that, you know, moving up is not necessarily always better, right? right? right. Um, because you don't want to be in a position to fail. You don't want to be in a position to, to not like your job. It's okay to be comfortable with where you're at. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you love what you do, if you wake up in the morning and you love going to work, you know, that I think is the most important. You, you're excited about the work you're doing. You're doing a, <laughs> you're doing a good job. 
Um, you're working hard. Everybody has different goals, and I and I think that's that's completely okay. Um, I'm certainly traveling more, you know, than than I than I thought I would be. Hmm. Uh, I know that, you know, if I would have been at more of the uh, senior manager level, uh, I wouldn't be traveling as much. But when I was promoted to, to the vice president level, I've, I've certainly been traveling more. So there's there's definitely lifestyle decisions. And yeah. again, it's there's no there's to me there's no right or wrong. The only wrong is not doing your best. Other than that, I, I, I really, I don't think there's a right or wrong. Yeah. And that, that the final measure of your progress isn't what's your job title. Exactly. It's not your job title. It's not your salary. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. So I, you mentioned that you, uh, prior to your role, VP claims procurement, that you worked as a consultant. Um, I came from a consulting background as well. Um, so what is sort of a two-part question. What made you pursue consulting earlier in your career? And what elements of your experience in consulting do you think have been success factors for you? Why did I choose consulting? Well, I chose consulting because when I graduated college, I wanted to get into real estate, but it was a horrible time for real estate. (laughs) Consulting was the next best option. Uh, I, I, I didn't want to sit behind a desk all day at the same place. I wanted to go to multiple places. I wanted to learn multiple industries. And, I wanted to learn from some of the most, uh, some of the smartest people that I that I could. So, uh, so I chose I chose the consulting route, and and I got I got extremely lucky. This is this is where timing and luck comes in. I was probably the last person to sign my employment agreement, and the way that this firm worked was the quicker you signed your employment agreement, the better chance you have of getting the department that you preferenced. I had preferenced strategy and operations. I did not preference strategic sourcing. And um, a few months later, strategy and operations group was sold. Mm. And some of my, some of my colleagues were, were, uh, were let go. And, you know, I was very fortunate that I, that I had signed last, not, not first. Right. And um, that's the luck factor. As as far as, you know, what I, what I took away from consulting, or if I would recommend consulting. I mean, it was the best decision I made. I learned how to basically how to use Microsoft Excel without <laughs> uh, using a mouse, which is which is huge, uh, which saves a bunch of time. But <laughs> but even but even more so than that, I, I learned how to think a little differently. I learned how to think not just you know what the paper says, you know, or what the data says, but thinking beyond thinking beyond it, and, and really thinking about ways to to optimize, right? And 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 that's another buzzword, is optimize. But but it but it's true. You think about all the things that you've done originally with with old price, new price, service levels, key performance indicators. But when you start thinking about better different ways, well, should we really be outsourcing this? What would the cost be if we did it in you know in house? Mm-hmm. If we saved ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, ten million dollars by outsourcing, would Quality go down, right? Go up. How does that impact our customers? How does that impact employee turnover? How does that? There, there, there's, there's so many factors that one decision can make that that you have to think about. And I learned that. I learned that in the in the consulting world. It's not a simple decision that only impacts one thing. This, these decisions impact quite a few things. Yeah, one thing that I took away from from my years of consulting was that the role of a consultant is someone who um, among many other things, but asks good questions. And it sounds like that was your experience too, because when you got to your job, as you said, that without a background in insurance, you had to rely on the stakeholders to 
give you the background that you needed. So you needed to be able to talk to them. You needed to be able to speak their language, even not having the background, but to be able to get them to articulate what their vision was, what their pain points were, how they were going about things. And then you putting your problem solving hat on, find the best way to solve that problem. Absolutely. And, you know, I will also say this is, is honesty also goes a long way. And, uh, and what I mean by that is I had, I had these stakeholders who, who saw who saw me and said, well, "What does this guy know about my industry?" Right. And I, I you know, I would tell them, I would say, "Look, uh, I'm not an expert in insurance. I'm not an expert in claims, but I am an expert in procurement and in process optimization and supply chain. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I could learn from you, and you could learn from me, this will be a really good partnership." What I think we've done is they, they've taught me more about claims than I've ever wanted to know. And I have probably taught them more about procurement, supply chain, Excel models than, than they want to know. But we all work for the same company. We all get the same, you know, our, our paycheck has the same company name on it. So mm-hmm. if we partner, if we act as a team, then then it works. I, I didn't want to go and pretend that, uh, you know, I was some hotshot who understood not only procurement, but, but their industry, because they won't be fair to, to lie to them or to myself. Yeah, I think your perspective is going to be great for the attendees of ISM because they'll get to hear these things that they might not have otherwise heard. The emphasis on on honesty, the emphasis on uh, exposure to different areas, the emphasis on your progress not being measured by your paycheck or your job title and so forth. So what are you personally hoping to get out of ISM 2016? Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping to get a couple things. Number one is I'm hoping to uh, to attend as many sessions as I possibly can to learn from from other professionals within the industry, hear their stories. Um, that's number one. But number two is I'm really hoping that we have a well-attended session. And by the way, I think we're one of the last sessions before the happy hour. So <laughs> we're going to really have to pull some. We're going to have to pull some people in uh, to make sure to make sure people are engaged because I really I really want to have a discussion. I want to learn how folks. Uh, whether they're young professionals, and I, I want to hear what their aspirations are. I want to hear what they've done. I, again, I want to learn as much as I can from them as they learn from me. And if we can have an open dialogue, I think that a lot of good can, from, can come out of the uh, from out of the discussion. And I'd love to take away some new ideas that I haven't thought about and apply them to to my current role. Whether it's whether it's ideas to to help manage my team better. And maybe maybe manage my manager better, uh, or or innovative ways to 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 reduce costs. Obviously, it's clear that ISM 2016 and your speaking engagement is not an opportunity for you to toot your own horn. It's just you're looking at this as a learning opportunity for you. Absolutely, absolutely. That's I mean, and I and I think that's if everybody goes in with that mindset, I think I think this will be a great conference because yeah. I look. <laughs> You know, if, if you think about it, people people do love to hear themselves speak. Um, we, we we know that, and they like to share they like to share stories. But if they can listen as well, then um, then I think I think some good can come out of a lot of good can come out of this this conference. Yeah. So we're a little under a month away. Um, are you all prepped? Is everything squared away for your talk and for travel and all? Yes, uh, I have I have the the, the presentation ready to go. Um, I don't know what I'm wearing yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out the day before. And, 
and yeah, hotels booked, flights booked. So I'm 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 ready to go. I'm excited. Great. Well, Scott, that's all the time we have for today. I really appreciate um, you taking the time out of your day to tell us about this session. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, Ken, and I appreciate the opportunity, and I look forward to meeting everybody at, uh, at the conference in Indianapolis. Great. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Source One Countdown to ISM 2016 podcast series. Remember to visit us online at www.sourceoneinc.com. For more insights from our strategic sourcing and procurement experts, check out our blog at www.strategicsorcerer.com. Want to provide us feedback? Have an idea for another podcast? Let us know by emailing us at prrequest at sourceoneinc.com. Thanks for listening.